Good morning, Midland Free. Good morning. Hey, welcome here. My name is Jeremy. We're delighted that you're here to worship with us. Um, I I know Melissa prayed, but I'm going to pray again as we continue to worship. Father, thank you for today, Lord. You're a good, good Father, and we praise you uh, for the victory that you've accomplished and the work that you've done. We pray that uh, we would live in light of that and uh, in response to your gracious gift. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, our first sermon of the summer series, we begin with the Gospel of Mark, and I would like to refresh your memory just a little bit since it's been a while since last summer, and essentially what we did is we just completed the book of Ephesians where we summed it all up and tried to summarize the message that the Apostle Paul was saying to the church in Ephesus, and his message was, all things in him a... Ouch. All things in him a guarantee. Very good. Thank you. I love you. I will pay you afterwards. Um, All things in him a guarantee. Jesus wins. Exactly right. Jesus wins. Very good. Um, So we're continuing that in a sense in the gospel of Mark, but Mark does it in a different way than Paul. Paul is what you would say propositional. He, He just straight declares it. Where Mark, on the other hand, is more narrative. He's telling a story. He's developing a theme. And so he's encountering the incredible. He's bringing you to these encounters or these instances, these action moments where something happens that just doesn't make sense. There has to be a greater reason or a bigger explanation. And so as we encounter the incredible, I want to refresh your memory and remind you that A lot of stuff has happened in chapters 1 through 3. Today we pick up in chapter 4. But in 1 through 3 alone, you've seen stuff like um, this guy from Nazareth going out into the wilderness to fight against not just wild beasts or not um, not just normal everyday temptation, but instead he confronts Satan himself. Jesus encounters intentionally and confronts Satan and comes out of the wilderness meaning that he won and was not destroyed, but is indeed victorious. In other words, Jesus wins. So Jesus wins against Satan in the wilderness. Jesus cast out demons to further enhance that view of himself. And then he demonstrates this unequivocal authority over things like the law, sin, the Sabbath, disease, and even over nature itself. This guy is doing things that normal people cannot do. He speaks and things happen. And so you begin to encounter this as a reader of Mark or even as a person putting yourself in the shoes of someone in that time. And you say, wow, perhaps, maybe, just maybe this is the promised one. Maybe this is the Messiah, the Christ, the King, the Redeemer, the anointed one who would come and deliver Israel from her enemies, set up the kingdom and usher in an eternal reign of true peace and shalom forever and ever. Maybe this is what we have been waiting for. And so all of of the Jewish world waits with eager expectation to see what will happen next. What is this guy, Jesus, going to do? What will he do? And stirring up then the crowds and, and his opposition and then the followers and the seekers and all of the people who are just drawn to the excitement. All of this is coming together in one place, and Jesus knows this. And so what he does is he speaks in stories or in parables. He speaks 
in sort of a veiled way to intentionally communicate to those who want to truly listen and yet not to those who want to oppose him. And so today we encounter for the first time in the Gospel of Mark a teaching section. This is rare in Mark. Mark is mostly action. Some of the other Gospels have more teaching, but Mark is action, action, action. But for a brief moment, he's going to take on a few of Jesus' teachings. And this one is the parable of the sower, some call it. You could call it the parable of the sower, the seed, and the soil, because it's more than one. But here's the parable of the sower. And before we get there... What I want to do is this. I'm actually going to read this story at the very end. Because I think it's really easy for especially those of us who have heard it before to jump to a conclusion. And I don't want us to do that because I think most of our conclusions are probably wrong. And so instead, what I want to do is I want to start with the purpose of a parable, particularly in the Gospel of Mark. And really what you see is these parables are kingdom parables. They're stuff that is talking about the kingdom that everyone is anticipating and everyone has in their mind, this is what the kingdom will be. In reality, Jesus is sort of slowing that movement down and saying, no, actually, this is what the kingdom is. It's different than what you would expect. And so parables have a purpose, and their purpose is this. It's to balance expectations and encourage the people that even though their expectations were wrong, even though that what's happening is different than what they expected, that there is still a good outcome and therefore they should take heart. And not only take heart and be encouraged, but take part, become a part of the movement and the process that has been put in place. So here's the purpose of the parables. This week we'll see one parable, we'll see these things happen. And next week we'll see some more parables and we'll see the same thing. The parables, the kingdom parables, they will balance the expectations of the people. They'll balance their expectations. And then they will encourage them to take heart and take part. This is important in our house. We have to manage expectations a lot. For example, if it's Saturday, perhaps there's an expectation that you wake up immediately at 5.30 a.m. and it's a party. (laughs) And mom and dad are like, no, it's Saturday. I know it's no school. It's fun. It's no homework. But that doesn't mean we're getting up at 5.30 a.m. We do that the rest of the week. And we want you to understand going forward, you're still going to have fun. There's going to be good stuff. You'll get to dessert. You'll get to excitement. But it may not be as quick as you think it will be. So too with the parables. The people of this first century are thinking, oh, here's the king. Yes, overthrow the bad guys, bring in the kingdom, and we're good to go. And Jesus is like, no, 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 slow down, hang on, hang on. You're right, the king is here. You're right. But it's going to look a little bit different, and my timing is not the same as yours. You're eager, and you have a guarantee, and you have a promise, and it will come, but not the way you think. And so the parable of the sower then plays that out in a very real way. And I want to get there because you know what happens A lot of times, preachers are the worst. They are. You know, you want to make a good sermon, and so you jump to the application, and they're like, oh, man, this means you got to evangelize your friends and bring them to church and go out into missions. And those are all really important things. But that's actually not what this is about. This is not necessarily a call to evangelism, even though there's all the seeds and soils and different stuff like that. This is a description of what Jesus is doing at this time and how this is playing out. And then we as followers of Jesus get to take part in that 
But he is the primary, we are the secondary. He is the source in the original. We're the derivative. We're not him. He is the thing. And so here is the parable of the sower. There's three parts. Number one, there's the topic. And I want to say, here is what the, the parable is talking about. It's not evangelism. It's not. Here's what it's talking about. And then I want to say, here are the parts. And after we go through each part, I'm going to say, this is what this means. This is that. This is that. This is that. And then, after we put it all together, we'll say, okay, then, what's the point? Here's the point. And how does it apply to my life? So, the way we'll walk through this parable is the topic, the parts, and the point. The topics, the part, and the point. Let's begin with the topic then. Jesus himself actually gives it to us, which is really nice. He explains it so we don't have to guess. Some of the first century listeners were left guessing. But for us, we have the benefit of the rest of the gospel. Mark chapter 4, verse 10. When he was alone with his disciples, those around him, the twelve, asked him about the parables. They're like, what in the world does this mean? Help us out here. And he said to them, look, to you, you specifically has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. Here's the topic. Here's the subject. Here's the thing that these parables are about. The secret, the mystery that has been revealed is the kingdom of God. This parable is all about the kingdom of God. The topic that the parable of the sower, the seed, and the soil is talking about is not evangelism. As good as that is. But instead, the topic is the kingdom of God. Number one, the topic is the kingdom of God. Jesus said so. Verse 11 The point is that it is all about him. That's extremely important because many times, even in our Christian lives, we think it's about us. Hey, are you doing this? Are you doing that? Are you going to do this? In other words, the whole thing hangs or falls on you, and the reality is simply not true. It doesn't. You'll see that there's all kinds of different responses in this parable, but regardless of the response, kingdom's going forward. Number one, the topic is the kingdom. Number two, the parts. There are three. There are three parts of this story, and I want to give them each to you. But the first and probably most obvious one is this. If you have a kingdom, then you need a king. Exactly right. We're warming up this morning. Thank you. You're doing great. You're going to be shouting at me by the end. It's going to be awesome. The first thing you need to have a kingdom is a King, and look at Mark chapter 1, verse 1. Guess what you get? A king. Now it begins, it says, this is the beginning of the good news, the gospel, the evangelion, the evangelical. It's all the same word. Here's the good news. Here's the good news that this Jesus, this Yeshua, this Savior, this anointed one is the Christ, the king, the Messiah. Here in the New Testament, when you see the word Christ, think king. The Jews would have heard in Hebrew the word Messiah, meaning the anointed one, the deliverer, the one who's to come, the Davidic descendant who will have a throne that will reign and rule forever and ever. Here's the Christ. Here's your king. And this is not any ordinary king. This is a very special one. This is not just the son of David, but this is the son of God. 
Here is your king. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Hear, listen, here's your king. You know, the first commandment in Deuteronomy is hear and listen. And guess how these parables start? You know what Jesus says at the beginning? Mark chapter 4. Listen. Listen. Listen carefully because if you don't hear, you will miss it. There is a parable and for those who don't want to hear, they will not. Hear, O Israel, here is your God. Jesus, the Christ. All of his titles, all of his person. All of his being summed up into one. The good news of the Savior, the King, the Son of God. Here, Israel, is your God. So here is the king. The book of Mark starts out with one, and it is a kingdom ethic. It is a kingdom gospel. And I know that's unfamiliar with us because we're like, you know, citizens of the United States of America, and we purposely don't have a king, and we have this democratic process, but guess what? (laughs) It's all a wash. Eventually, we will have a king. Everyone will, and his name will be Jesus. And then you won't need the checks and balances of powers or the different political parties or systems of government or anything else because all will be well. Here is the king that you're hoping for, and so like any king, this one begins with a herald. He has someone coming before him who shouts out and cries out, make way, get ready. The king is here. Part the paths, line the streets with flowers. The king has come and this king's herald is John the Baptist. Very good. Mark chapter one, verses two through three. The herald comes as the prophet Isaiah said and says, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his path. Here is this Jesus, this Christ. Here is his herald. And the herald proclaims this in verse 7. He says this. Look up here on the slide. He says, after me comes he who is mightier. Mr. Incredible. The king. The one whose strap of his sandals I'm not even worthy to bend down and touch. Here's the one who will attack the enemy and overthrow him and bind the strong man and plunder his house. But this strong man and this enemy and this house is not the house of Caesar. This is the house of Satan. And that is the real enemy. Caesar is a puppet and a tool and a pawn. Satan is the thing itself. And so the king is coming not to deal with a puppet, but to deal with the real thing. Here is he who is mightier. The one to whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that in fact he is Lord. Jesus, the Christ. So part one, the king. You have a topic, a kingdom. You have three parts. The first part is the king. Part one, the king. Part two is the king's message. The king is coming, and he will send his message throughout all the land, not just a certain land, but to the ends of the earth. The gospel, the good news, will go forth. And this message is this in verse 14. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the good news and saying, here it is, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. Here's his message. 
Many of us Christians go first to John 3.16, but in fact, Jesus starts his message earlier than that. He says, look, the kingdom is here. Why is the kingdom here? Satan still messes with us. Caesar is still in power. Yes, that's true, but the king is here, and therefore the kingdom is at hand. It has not been consummated. It has not been fully realized, but it is moving forward in an unstoppable way at this point because the king is here. The king has come. Therefore, repent and believe. Demonstrate whose side you're on. If you follow after these powers and principalities and rulers of darkness, then you are on the other team. But if you will acknowledge the king when he comes and repent and believe in him, then you're on the right path. Here is the king and here is his message. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. His message is repent and believe. And then how you react to that demonstrates who you are. Are you with the king or are you not? Are you for him or are you against him? See, Jesus doesn't allow for any middle ground. He makes it very clear. You're either with him or against him. And what determines that is how you react to his message. When he calls out, repent and believe, do you repent and believe or do you say, no, thanks, I don't need you. I have a better idea. See, many of the people in our day and many of the people in his say that very thing. But what this gospel makes clear is that how you react to the message demonstrates which side you're on. If you're on the side of the king, when he comes marching into town, you're going to go, woohoo, go king. But if you're not, when he comes marching into town, you're thinking about the false ru- rulers, the steward, or whoever's here now, and you're thinking, okay, how, how can we avoid this? Or how do we disagree? Or how do we argue against? What intellectual objections or what other obstacles can I put in front of his path? so too with those who heard this message, John 3 says this, he, that's Jesus, bears witness to what he has seen and heard. He came from above, he came down, and he's demonstrating that. And whoever believes in the Son, whoever repents and believes, has eternal life. But, conversely, exact same words, only one is different. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. You see, how you react to the message determines whose you are. Have you repented and believed? Do you believe in Jesus? Are you coming here to church because someone invited you, or it's good music, or it's a neat thing to do, or whatever? Or do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and have you made him your king? He is not a nice little add-on to put into your life to enjoy when you want or need. He is the boss. Repent and believe. The topic is the kingdom. The parts are three. One, the king. Two, the king's message. And three, the king's people. There's the king Jesus, the king's message, repent and believe, and the king's people. And whether you are one of his or not is determined by how you respond to his message. So let's see what that looks like now in our parable. I know I've said a lot, but if I don't, it's just going to sound like a sower and seeds and stuff. You know, it's no different than everyday farming. But here's the thing. In this parable, here are the parts. Let me identify them for you. 
You can download these slides, and this will give you a way to look at it when you get home. There is the topic, which is the kingdom. There are the parts, which are the sower, the seed, and the soil. Those are the parts of this parable. Now, those parts correspond to these things. The sower is the king. This is Jesus. That's actually told to us in another gospel in, I'll tell you the reference... Matthew 13.37. Matthew 13.37 tells us that Jesus is the sower. The sower is the king. Okay? The seed is the king's message. What he's scattering, what he's sowing is his message. And then the soil are the king's people or not the king's people. So there's the king, the king's message, and the king's people. Or the sower, the seed, and the soil. So three parts to this message. We'll go ahead and read it now. And I hope you'll hear this kingdom point for all these miracles, for all this stuff that Jesus has been doing. Now the crowds are gathered around him so much so that he has to like get in a boat and a boat becomes his pulpit because otherwise he would be crushed. He moves out away from them because so many people are following them. And this is what he says. He leaves them scratching their head. He leaves them confused. Even his disciples have to ask the question, which begs the question, how should we do church? Jesus leaves everybody confused. How would that work? I'm not Jesus in any way, but what if the preacher left everybody confused? (laughs) They already do. Well, hey. I'm not trying to. I'm trying to be clear, but Jesus intentionally is not clear. He began to teach beside the sea, and and a very large crowd gathered about him. So he got in a boat and sat on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things and parables, and in teaching them, he said to them, Listen, hear, O Israel, behold, see this, if nothing else, a sower, Jesus, went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell among the path. The birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. When the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed, however, fell among the thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no grain. But some seed. Some seeds, after all that sowing, after all that failing, parent death, falling away, heresy, rejection, failed ministry. After all of that, some seeds, other seeds, fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and even 100-fold. He who has ears, let them hear. When he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And Jesus said to him, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that the word of the prophet would be fulfilled in that they may indeed see, but not perceive. And may indeed hear, but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. 
And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? They're all about the kingdom. Look, the sower, Jesus, sows the word. And the ones along the path where the word is sown, when they hear Satan, the enemy, immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves. They endure for a while. But then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you have met someone like that? Others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world, and the deceitfulness of the riches, and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word. It proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's three parts, right? There's the sower, the king. There is the there there's there's the topic, the the kingdom, there's the parts, the king, his message, and his people. And how they respond demonstrates whether they're his people or not. And yet here's the interesting thing. I know for a fact, because I'm in ministry and I think you are as well, I'm not the only minister here. We're all ministers. We go out and we follow our king. We believe his message. And we call out into the countryside and we say, repent and believe, repent and believe, repent and believe. And there's people who don't. And sometimes we scratch our heads and we wonder what is going on here. But the reality is our experience is no different than Jesus. It's not about our method. It's not about our message or anything else. It's just the reality of the world that we live in. Here's a way to balance our expectations. As we go forth, as we work, as we plow, as we toil, as we do the work of the gospel, we have to know that we will experience opposition and rejection, and often our message will fail. But that does not mean that we are failures or that the message is in failure. Instead, what this parable teaches is that is normal. That is totally normal. And despite all of the seeds and all of the sowing, like 66%, if you will, failure rate, that seed which falls on good ground brings forth an exponential harvest. As a result, what it tells us is this, is no amount of sowing, no amount of failure, no amount of anything can stop the kingdom. The kingdom is advancing and marching forward, and Jesus says the gates of hell itself will not overcome it. So the point then of this parable, if you take all of that in context, here's the point. The point is that the kingdom will advance. The kingdom will advance. One ancient commentator says it like this. He says, to human eyes, much of the labor seems to be futile and fruitless. We try, we try, we try, nothing. Why? Resulting apparently in repeated failure. But Jesus, on the other hand, is full of joyful confidence. He knows that God has made a beginning, bringing with it a harvest of reward beyond all asking or conceiving. In spite of every failure and opposition from hopeless beginnings, God brings forth the triumphal end which he has promised. In other words, Jesus wins. 
Once again, Jesus wins. Here's the point, the ethic, the moral of this story is that the kingdom will advance. That Jesus ends, wins, that all things in him are summed up. And that's a guarantee. As a result, how then do we apply that to our lives? How do we take it in? Then that's the meaning. It's different than perhaps what you've heard before. Maybe not. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing it. But here's the point that Jesus wins. The kingdom's going forward. What then do I do? Well, I take heart. First thing I do is I take heart. I take heart because I know that I'm on the winning team, that I can keep going no matter what. And every time it fails, it's okay. It's not me or the message. It's just the reality of the world we live in. Look, it's a little bit like this. We've, uh, we have children who like to sell things. We try not to let them, let them do it to you, okay? So don't worry. They're not going to be at the doors in the back. But when whatever fundraiser comes or this or that, they're eager to go out the door because they're told they get an ice cream party or whatever if they sell so many. And so out the door they go. Now, I could, I could stop and coach them. I could say, okay, let's work on your sales presentation. Let's get a nice, firm handshake. Look them in the eye. Be clear about your message. Maybe create a little intrigue and then, boom, wrap it up and inclusio at the end. And you got them, you know. I could spend all day coaching them. But you know what? The reality is this. I don't know how it is in your neighborhood, but in my neighborhood, there's those people who are going to buy and those people who aren't going to buy. And it really doesn't matter how they sell it. They're going to go to one door and no one's going to come. And they're going to go to the next door and that person, (coughs) Pollux, are going to smile at them. (laughs) And they're going to smile and they're going to listen and they're going to invite them in for a cup of tea. And they're going to buy whatever they're selling. They might even buy two. Because we know they're good people, and they're in with it and down with the message. They're going to buy it. And that's the reality that Jesus is telling you. When you go out in the world, this is what's going to happen. Even if you go door to door, you're going to be knock, knock, knock. Sometimes that door is slammed. But other times, you may come up with that message, and you trip all over yourself, and you fumble left and right, and it doesn't matter. And that person is just sitting there smiling. They're like, tell me more. It's not you. It's not the message. You don't take credit for when it succeeds, and you don't take blame for when it fails. It's not about you. It was never about you. What is the topic? It's the kingdom. We're not the king. We're just the messengers. So take heart and take part. Get out there and share the message, and don't worry about what happens after it. Throw it all over the place, and who cares? You're not going to run out. There's plenty to go around. We think perhaps if we're farmers, we've got to be careful because seed is expensive and we just put it in the places we think it'll grow. But the reality is the gospel message has got to go to the ends of the earth everywhere. Even if it doesn't get a response, who cares? Don't worry about it. Just throw it out there. When you do, who knows? Maybe just maybe that'll be one of his people and they will respond to the message regardless of how you share it with them. Then you can experience the joy of watching that person believe in Christ and come into the kingdom. Here's the message of the soil, the seed, and the sower. Really, it's all about the sower. It's not the seed or the soil. The message is one of the king. All things in him, I guarantee. Here's the parable. Listen, O Israel. Hear, O Midland. The word of the Lord. Take heart and take part. In the next three minutes, let me give you a couple ways specifically at our church that you can take part. 
So one of the things you'll see on our website, if you go there in uh, the next week or so, is a little banner that says pray. That says pray. Now, that seems like sort of a given. It looks like this. Here's a, here's a picture of that. That seems like sort of a given that we Christians should pray. But specifically, what we're asking at our church is we've got some cool stuff coming up. This summer, our elders are getting together with a focus group of 20 to 25 people. And we are just seeking the Lord's wisdom and direction for our church. Now is the time, we believe, to revamp and revisit our mission. And so we are going to start by praying. We're going to ask the Lord, what do you want us to do? What direction do you see Midland Free going forward into the future with? And so we want to pray. We want to ask God that the gospel will go forth, that we'll have unity as an elder board, a pastoral team, and, and leaders of our ministries, and that the mission and vision revamp will be beautiful, and that people will love it and be a part of it and give to make it succeed. Pray. Four simple things for the gospel, unity, mission, and giving. Pray. You don't have to be brilliant. You don't have to look up every verse of the Bible. You just go to mefchurch.org and look at this thing and pray. Next week at the Next Step table, we're going to have a magnet. And that magnet will look just like that. It will go on your fridge. And every time you grab a glass of milk or water or whatever you get out of that thing, pray. Say, Lord, be with our church. Not that hard. You're nine years old. You can do that. Lord, bless our church. Pray. First thing, pray. Secondly, give. We talk about this a lot. And the reason is not because we want to get in your wallet, but because we want you to get into heaven. Not because you get in by giving. Okay, let's be clear about that. That's the wrong message. Not because you even have a better life here necessarily by giving, but instead because where your treasure is, your heart is also. And we want to give you an opportunity to put your treasure in heaven. And one of the things that we experience in this, this life, as you saw in this parable, is the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. And we don't want you to go for that. And giving is one way to free yourself of those chains, those things that bind you and pull you down. I got to pay my mortgage. I got to fix my car. I got to get my roof. I got to fix my lawn. Da, 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 da. Boom. You break out and you give. Because that's contrary to all of those things. And it frees you of the slavery to riches, deceitfulness of worries of this world, and wealth. So I'm not after riches. No, i got to pay my bills. True, but you have to trust God even more. And it's right to be wise, and it's right to work, and it's right to save, but ultimately you believe in a future kingdom. And that's what you want to give to. And so we ask you to give. You can give online by signing up to do so regularly. It's a beautiful way. It makes it easy. Just like everything else, the, the utilities, the mortgage, the insurance, it comes in, it goes out. Poof. Give. Don't worry about it. It's not ours anyways. Why should we keep it? Give. Boom. Number one, pray. Number two, give. Number three, serve. You hear Christy Smith and our children's ministry stand up here and say, we need your help. We need you. This summer, a lot of people travel, and as a result, our regular teachers are gone. So if you can serve one Sunday this summer, that'll get us through. You can donate your time to serve one Sunday in children's ministry. Let me tell you, you got this. You can. You can do it. There's something for you there. Serve. Give. Another way is go local. We've got stuff back there for our go local Sunday at our next steps table. You can be a part of that. And finally, it's to connect. Let me tell you about two connection opportunities coming this summer. 
Number one, first one, here's a slide, is the breakfast. Now, we're not just coming together to eat. That's really cool that we get to eat and we get to eat for free. But at the tables, there's going to be some get to know you questions like, how did you come to faith? And how did you come to Midland free? And what's one thing you want God to do in your life in the next year? As you sit with people you don't know and you share those things, you're built up, you're encouraged, you're edified, you go away truly fed. That's the vision for the breakfast. It's not just come and eat. We don't have activity for the sake of activity. We want you to connect with one another. Further, next week, next week, Tammy Johnson, I don't think we have a slide for this. I'm just including it. Tammy Johnson's going to um, talk about her three months as a teacher among the Dinka of South Sudan in room um, 307 through 309 at 845. So we'll have one of our own, Tammy Johnson, who we commissioned to go out and help other people come back and tell us what that was like. There's an opportunity for you to connect. So you can pray, you can give, you can serve, you can connect. There are a lot of ways to be part of the building up of the kingdom. This is not just... Uh, 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 observation thing that we do on Sunday morning. What this is, is this is an equipping station for God's saints to put on his armor and go out there to fight, to bring in his kingdom. We are building you up. We are equipping you and we are hoping that you will go out and be a part of the mission. So pray. Give. Serve. And connect. Take heart. Jesus wins. You're on the winning team. If you believe that, you can't lose, even if somebody says no. It's not a loss. Take heart and take part. The parable of the sower says this. It says, look, there's a kingdom. There's a king. There's a message. And there's his people. The kingdom will advance. So take heart. Take part. Balance your expectations, church. Look, not everything is going to go perfect, and that's okay. Jesus never said it would. He said the opposite, actually. Even though sometimes it's tough. In the end, he's got this. Not us. Not our message. But him. The gospel is the completed work of Jesus Christ. The good news that it's finished, that his will will be done on earth, just like right now it's being done in heaven. Therefore, pray, our Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we thank you and praise you. Lord, for you are good, so good. Your mercies endure forever. There is no one like you. We're weak and frail. We fail. That doesn't even matter. doesn't matter, Lord, because you win. And we're with you. We thank you for the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Completed work. It is finished. In him, all things are guaranteed. Lord God, we praise you. Because Jesus wins.